Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for the promises that you give us, that in your word we will see Christ revealed. And how wonderful that you reveal your Son in his finished and complete work for us. How wonderful, Father, that you tell us what you want to see in your church, what it is to be about, what it is to look like, how it is to live in a city amongst people who do not know you and those who would seek to divert your gospel and your people. Help us, Father, to receive your word, this precious gift that you've given to us. Help us to long to know it, that, Father, our our minds and thoughts would go to what does our God require? What does he think of this or what does he think of that? That more important than the opinion of friends and even our own feelings and cultural swings, that, Father, we would align our life with your word. Help us, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. So um, we're going we're gonna to spend this week and the next seven in these first three chapters of the book of Revelation. Um, and the reason is twofold. Maybe it's more than that. But uh, one of the main reasons is we had about seven weeks left uh, in the semester. Um, we take a break for the summer, give our Sunday school teachers some rest, and it's hard to do anything consistent when uh, people are here and then they're not here for a couple of weeks. So, um, uh, and I, I, I wanted to take this summer and think about our church in the next five years. What are we to be about? What will it look like? We've got our building. We've got some officers. Um, we've um, what, what, what are we to be about? Um, what are the next five years going to look like? And I say five years because um, my mind's going, and uh, I probably won't be able to preach after five years. So, <laughs> Or it'll be the same sermon because I, I forgot it. So I, I don't know. We'll see. But um, what, would I, what would I want our church to look like? Um, and, and it's wonderful that this last book in our canon gives us Christ's view of the church. What does he think of the church? And I had a conversation not too long ago with a student uh, that was facing difficult decisions. And that student was talking about uh, what would make them happy, what would make their parents happy, what would make their grandparents happy, their coaches happy. And, um, and I was talking and listening, and then the student looked at me and just said, you know, Rev, I guess the important question is, what would make God happy? And I was like, wait, who's the pastor here? <laughs> I mean, I'm thinking, who's the pastor here? You're 100% right. That's got to be the overarching thought. What would make our God happy? And so as we approach uh, year seven or eight or nine or whatever being a church, it's important for us to take a pause and look and say, what does our God want from his church? This morning, um, and I may mention this in the sermon, you never know where it's going to go, but um, this morning uh, there, was, there was this post on Facebook and it was one of our local pastors uh, sharing something from Beth Moore. It was a quote, 
And it said this, if God is love, then nothing is more blasphemous than hate. If God is love, then nothing is more blasphemous than hate. And I was like, all right, I'm going to go to the comment section and see, and see what happens. And about the third comment, someone said, what about the Nicolaitans? <laughs> and I was like, awesome, you know. Awesome. What about the Nicolaitans? And uh, I thought, well, there's somebody who's read their Bible. There's someone who has read the first three chapters, at least, of the book of Revelation. Because the very first church that we encounter, the church at Ephesus, here's what it says. Um, I have this against you. And Scott's going to be teaching on this next week. But I just thought it so amazing and appropriate that uh, across the board is this statement taken almost as scripture. Uh, hate is blasphemous. It's, more, it's the most blasphemous. Thing. I mean, just an idiotic statement for those who know their Bible and know their God, right? I have this against you. You've abandoned the love you had at first. Uh, remember, therefore, where you've fallen, repent. Do the works you did at first. If not, I'll come to you and remove your lampstands from its place unless you repent. But listen to this. Yet this you have... So this is the positive side. You hate the work of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. So we have to set in our minds that the Word of God, God's Word is authoritative. In all things that it speaks to, it is authoritative. And... Um, those, those statements, they're ubiquitous. Things about God that sound good and sound sweet and may make people walk into our church. But is it true? And so what we get in Revelation, these first three chapters, is we have the context for the rest of the book. What's this revelation going to be uh, given to others? And what do we know about these churches? So we'll start this morning with chapter 1 really as an introduction. So... Um, if you have your Bibles, turn to... Uh, my, my Bible has it titled as the Revelation to John. Some of the older Bibles said the Revelation of John. Um, it's the Revelation of Jesus Christ. He is the one being revealed. The Revelation of Jesus Christ given to His servant, John, to give to the churches. So we have a lot of... We've been talking about Scripture, its authenticity, its reliability, its sufficiency... Um, we've been talking about that in, in our other classes up to this point. But here, here is John, again, uh, relaying to us. This is part of the canon. This is how it came together. God gave his word to his servant. His servant then was to write these things down. You'll see his servant was also instructed then to share them with the churches. And the way the churches are laid out, it's a geographical circle. Go here, 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 here. Uh, the churches in, East, uh, in Asia Minor. So, uh, the revelation of Jesus Christ given to the servant John. <clears throat> Chapter 1, verse 1. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show to his servants the things that must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it, for the time is near. So we are promised a blessing, even today, 
as we read it aloud, we are invited to hear and to listen. Uh, John, verse 4, John, to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of kings on earth. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and made us a kingdom, priest to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all the tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. Even so, amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. I, John, your brother and partner in the tribulation and the kingdom and the patient endurance that are in Jesus, was on the island of Patmos on the account of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet saying, Write what you see in a book and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, to Smyrna, to Pergamum, to Thyatira, to Sardis, to Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me, and on turning I saw seven golden lampstands, and in the midst of the lampstands one like a son of man, clothed with a long robe and with a golden sash around his chest. The hairs of his head were white like wool, like snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze refined in a furnace, and his voice was like the roar of many waters." And in his right hand he held seven stars. And from his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword, and his face was like the sun shining in full strength. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. And he laid his right hand on me, saying, Fear not, I am the first and the last, and the living one. I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore. And I have the keys of death and Hades. Write, therefore, the things that you have seen, those that are and those that ought to take place after this. As for the mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. Uh, this is the word of our God. Um, one of my friend's uh, daughter was talking about the things that her parents told her were important when she went to college. And uh, she walked away with this thought, the most important thing is that I know the PIN number for my ATM card. <laughs> like, when all else fails, <laughs> uh, I, I get the PIN number for my ATM card. I laugh because I remember when my boys went off to college, I, I didn't give them any credit card. I didn't give them any connection to any of our accounts. When my daughter left, I got her her very own Bass Pro Rewards card, and um, she would like to show it to my boys and say, you know, Daddy's taking care of me. Um, but I think as we start this book, um, there's, there's four things I put in your introduction there that we should know. Um, Again, the first, really above it all, is this question. 
what does Jesus think of his church? And I love that we get the good and the bad and the ugly in the churches. There's not a single church of the seven that Jesus says, uh, you're the shining star and you do all things right. Um, our, our God will continue to work in our church uh, and, and he will continue to send his correcting and rebuking spirit and his word will continue to be a light unto our path. But the question that we do ask ourselves is, what does Jesus think of the church? It's what we as officers and leaders in your church ask. It's uh, what we on the worship thread, when we put together the order of worship and the songs and the sermon, what does our God require? What brings him joy and delight? What has he said is best for his people? Um, not what's the current need of the hour? What will attract more bodies into the seats? What do people want to hear? What controversial things should we want to avoid because we want to have a broader reach? Those aren't the questions that we ask. We deal with all of those things and we try as they come up for sure. But we ask ourselves, what are his expectations? What does he praise? Um, where does he correct? Um, how are the things that we go through going to lead us into uh, a sanctified life? Now, let's say these four things that we must know. First, to, to hear his voice. What does he say? I'm the Alpha. I'm the Omega. I'm the one that is. I'm the one that is to come. I am the Almighty. Christ is at the start. In verse 3, he is the beginning, but he is also the end. Christ is the culmination. All things were made by him, through him, and for him. We don't serve our Christ to get other things. We serve him because he's worthy to be served. We love him. We give our lives to him. Not in order that, but that is the order. That is the culmination. Secondly, we see this vision. We see this picture. Um, and, and what do we see in these visions? There are some things that will uh, easily be recognizable as literal. There are other things that will tie back into Scripture, remind us when he says, you know, his, out of his mouth comes his flame and it's a two-edged sword, right? Um, what is that? For, for a Christian that's read his Bible, the two-edged sword, what, is that, what does that bring up in your minds? Where do we hear that elsewhere? Anyone? The, uh, where do we hear that 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 uh, that metaphor, a two-edged sword, a double-edged sword? We hear Pardon me. We hear, we hear it in the Bible. Yeah, re referred to the Bible, right? Sharper than any two-edged sword. The Word of God is living and active in Hebrews. Sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the vision of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. Right? Nothing's hidden from His sight. So some of these images we will use for sure, Scripture to interpret Scripture. When he speaks in images. Some of those will be obvious to us. Uh, and some of the, the things further on in the book, of course, the, the um, uh, um, uh, apocalyptic stuff um, is not in these first three chapters. So uh, we may get to that some other time if, if you all want. Um, but, it's, but it's interesting. These symbols aren't up for grabs. Right? They're not up for us just to say, I think it means this. Well, that's cool. I think it means that. Some things we may not know. Other things we will look at scriptures and say, this is, this is exactly what it's saying. Or in the text itself. So what does Jesus say in the text itself? Uh, the seven, in verse 20, the seven golden lampstands, seven stars. Right? Um, 
are the churches. The seven lampstands are the seven churches. Uh, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches. So sometimes he gives us that. What, what you saw, John, this image that you saw, this is what this represents. Um, so what do we see, though, even in this opening vision? We see power, right? A loud voice. Uh, the voice of rushing waters. Again, that comes from the Psalms, right? The voice of the Lord, the Psalms say, crushes the cedars of Lebanon. The voice of the Lord is like a raging river. Uh, I, I, I love that illustration of the voice of the Lord. Does it actually sound like a river? No, he's saying, have you ever been in a river? Have you ever been down to the Disney Dam when the, all the gates are open and you're trying to talk to somebody and you can't hear anything? Right? So these images, uh, power, um, um, as we receive this vision, we're not to divide it into the things that we want, the things that are manageable. Faith is not creative. Faith is submissive. Right? You might want to write that in your notes. Just to, faith is not creative. Faith is submissive. Um, uh, and there's a privilege for us as we see this vision. Right? He said you're going to get a blessing in this. Uh, what, what you see, what, what you give to these churches are things that are going to come and things that are, that are um, going to be in their lifetime and things that are beyond their lifetime. Uh, third, again, just by way of introduction, we, we should grasp our value. You know, um, our, our God values His church to send this revelation. In the midst of their struggle and their trial, the Apostle John, he is... Um, incarcerated he is exiled on this small island of Patmos I think it's like a mile by five miles or something like that um, our value he reaches out to John our value he takes our cross we get his crown and fourthly um, to yield to this view um, he saves us to make all things right and new verse 19 he is not dabbling, but he is ruling the world and our life. <clears throat> Any questions thus far? Uh, in the movie, the Anthony Hopkins movie, The Edge, anybody seen that? About a billionaire. He gets in a plane crash. Um, a couple of quotable lines in that. One of them is, don't ever feel sorry for someone who has his own plane. <laughs> um, but it's an interesting thing. He gets a present. He gets a knife, uh, an anniversary present from his wife. And he gets this kind of survival knife and, and a little booklet. And, um, you know, what do you give a man who has an airplane? Well, pretty much any man would like a nice knife. I can always use an extra pocket knife or an extra Leatherman. Um, you know, so... Uh, but throughout the movie, um, it becomes apparent that his wife is unfaithful, that they're planning to take him on to this vacation or anniversary weekend, secluded place, and kill him. Um, and so what becomes important to that man uh, before the trip, before the trial, uh, is not nearly as important as what, what is important to that man when he is secluded in the wilderness of Alaska. And what book does he read? Well, he reads this little survival book he got. 
how to kill a bear, how to make this, how to do that. And so he's got this tool, this knife, and this book. And I, I really want, kind of as we start this, to keep pressing into you the value of God's Word. Um, he, has, he has given it to us. Um, scripture as one of our core values, not uh, to be taken lightly. Um, you know, and, and it has been taken lightly. It's taken lightly often by evangelicals. Uh, verses on cars, signs in the yard. Um, but um, God is going to reveal what was, what is true, and what is to come. And as he reveals it to these seven churches, we could call this the good, the bad, and the ugly. Um, he, I, I, I love it that he's honest. You know, these things are going on in your church. Stop it. Repent. Return. Um, it'll be very practical for us. Um, kind of the main idea of this first section is that Jesus is in complete control of everything. You believe that? He is in control of everything that has transpired. He's in control of everything that is happening and will transpire. We should look to him and his word for a blessing to equip us. And in verse 9, I think that's the big idea of this section, for patient endurance. Look at verse 9. In tribulation, in the kingdom... And the patient endurance that are in Jesus. So what he is saying, I'm, I'm, I'm giving you this revelation of Jesus Christ, uh, not so that in 2023, Three Rivers is going to figure out the date of his second coming. Right? That, that's, not, that's not why he's given it to us. He's given to us that we, too, like the seven churches, may patiently endure. If our call is tribulation, trial, um, to be exiled. We're called because we know this. And what's beautiful about this book is it will show the past, the present, and the future um, to the church and all of those things uh, for where we stand uh, should give us faith and confidence and should result in a patient endurance for us. Um, all right, so... Uh, Here's what we do in this first chapter. We look at the person of Christ. And I love in verse 17, and you know I say this all the time, but here's why I say it all the time, because I hear it all the time. God told me this. Really, did you fall at his feet as though dead when he told you this? Because that seems to be the norm when God speaks in an audible voice to his people and his presence. The person of Jesus Christ, he carries the weight of God's truth. We look to Him. He gives us courage, instruction. And what do we see? I'm going to run through these verses through this chapter, right? Verse 5, He's a faithful witness. He has received from the Father. He is the firstborn from among the dead. He has faced human death. He has been reborn and resurrected with a glorified body. He's the King. He, I mean, He is the ruler of the kings of the earth. He has a loud voice like a trumpet. We've talked about this, like the rushing waters. He is like a son of man. Verse 7 and 8. He was pierced. He is coming back on the clouds. He is eternal. He is powerful. And He is divine. In verse 14, He is dressed in a robe with a golden sash. Uh, Daniel 7 verse 9 talks about the Son of Man in that way. His head and hair are white 
like wool, clean, white as snow. His eyes are like a blazing fire, all-seeing, all-consuming, penetrating. His feet are made of bronze. Um, they're stable. His voice, Ezekiel 43, in his right hand he holds the seven stars. In his right hand he holds the messengers um, appointed to serve him in the seven churches. In his right hand is power and authority. He holds the double-edged sword, the spoken word, the weapon of truth. Also, what he says gets done. And his face is like the sun. Uh, in Judges 5.1, we meet the Son of Man. In Matthew 17.2, the transfiguration, unable to look on him. Remember when Moses had spent time in the tent of meeting, they were unable to look at him. Um, he uh, falls at the feet. Um, he is the first and the last. He is the living one. Verse 18, he says, I was dead and now I'm alive. And I hold the key of death and Hades. He has authority over everything that we would fear. Now, it's not just enough to see this picture, but it is a start. It's very impressive. It's scary, but it's what has to be done. Uh, we have to have this sense of God's Word comes from God the Son, the living Word. It is just as authoritative as if He spoke to us here in His presence. Um, and so this person and this work are tied. Um, any, any questions about that so far? Uh, secondly, we look at the work of Christ. Um, in the first two verses, what does he do? He reveals the truth about God. He gives us true truth about what is and what is to come. Verse 5, he rules. He directs in authority. But also, look at verse 5. Um, faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, uh, rule of the kings of earth, to him who loves us. He loves us, and he has freed us. He's freed us from our sin by his own blood. Verse 6, he makes us into a kingdom. He makes us as priests to serve his God and his Father. It's not the only place where we get the doctrine of the priesthood of all believers, um, but it, it's, it's just another point to what his work has done. Um, you know, you heard me joke about when I was serving in St. Louis and all the Catholics that came to our church. And I knocked on the door one day to visit this guy, and this little girl looked through the window, and she, I hear her yelling out, Mom, Mom, the priest's here! <laughs> and in a sense, she was right. We are priesthood. Um, he is a creator. He is a sustainer. He communicates to humans in verse 11. And he holds us, and he walks among us overseeing and caring. What a beautiful picture. I'm walking among the lampstands. I'm there amidst my church. Um, he reveals these mysteries. And guidance comes from his mouth. Mouth. Lastly, as we prepare for his message to the seven churches, you, we should look also at the people of Christ. Those that he has sent to rescue, save, and hold close to himself. 
Um, just from this text, we see that they are a fearful people, but also a worshipful people. They're sinful people. They're saints and priests. Some are exiled. Some are in Babylon. Uh, some, as we'll see, are amidst the synagogue of Satan. They are people that are cared for. They are people that are cleansed, freed and washed clean. They are people given direction, given messengers, angels, and the Word of God. In verse 3, they are people who will be blessed by this. Uh, the lamp stands, the lights, the world runs to them and expects truth. Brothers and sisters, especially now, the world comes to the church and they want truth. And far too often, the world comes to the church and the church says, let's not offend them. Let's, let's talk about the love of God that doesn't also include the wrath and the hatred of God, His anger and His justice. Um, Uh, on your back these are the seven things and it might be good for your own study over these next few weeks as you read um, these are some things to look for as we study these churches and the first is that they're addressed to a particular church and, and that'll tell us some things that there is distinctiveness Okay, so the struggle and the sin patterns and the idolatry in Grove, Oklahoma is different. Some of it's similar to what we faced planting in Los Angeles or in Mississippi. But each geographical area will have its own set. Some of it's just cultural. Um, but um, it's interesting that each church has some distinctions. And they're, I mean, they're not that far from each other. But um, different churches will have different needs and sin struggles. Number two, there's some aspect of God's appearance to John uh, that is of particular importance to that church. So as we think about chapter 1, here's what he sees by, about the Son of God, right? And there's, there's, there's specifics of the Son of God uh, that have a particular importance to that church. Um, thirdly, he gives an evaluation of the spiritual health of that individual church. I remember um, man, my first call as a youth pastor. I think we were studying this. Uh, no, we weren't. We were studying something else. And um, I had come back from camp and I had asked one of our elders to teach a, uh, a Sunday school lesson, kind of a one-off Sunday school lesson for our youth group. And so I can't remember now which church it was, but he decided he was going to pick one of these churches and just give the message to the kids. And so he's reading through it. And uh, again, I can't remember which one it was. And he's like, okay, kids, what church does this remind you of? And they were just dead silence. And I'm like, I know a teacher sometimes wants response. And the church I was serving was Trinity Prez. I'm like, Trinity Prez? <laughs> and he was like, I hope not. And I was like, oh, sorry. <laughs> you know, um, I, but for us, um, we, we, we get to hold, I, I guess that's really number eight, we get to hold our church to the light of this revelation. And you know what? We get to do it freely. Right? We don't, we don't, we're not going to present, I, I, even me as a senior pastor, I don't present our church as my righteousness. Right? Like, here, here it is, God. Praise God, it's better than the church in Corinth. 
But we need your spirit, your sword. We need your word. We need the light of the stars um, from your revelation. So he gets an evaluation. The fourth thing he does is he'll give words of praise or correction. Fifthly, words of exhortation. Here's what's good. Um, Promises to those who overcome. And each one, there is a reminder to hear. Um, So, um, and then lastly, how will we apply it to Three Rivers? Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for your word and thank you for giving this to us. We pray, Lord, that we would humble ourselves before, that we would be open to your correction and that our care, Father, would be what you think of our church, more so than our reputation in the city or among friends. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Yes, sir.